for each guy. Hey, Al, nice to talk to you this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, it seems like both players will be ready for the weekend, which means Saturday against the Ottawa Senators. Um, really, neither one of them will play tonight. They both skated, as, as Holloway did um, during the road trip in, in California. Uh, Gagne uh, stayed home, but he's back on the ice today. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, there'll be a roster shuffle in some uh, way, shape, or form, uh, I would expect, uh, with one forward at least going down. And, and right now they're playing – or on the roster, at least they're playing with the with the sixth defenseman as lean as you could possibly get. So uh, I would expect by the time they head on the road next week, they'll um, they'll have at least one forward down, and they'll have to bring a defenseman up too. So there'll be there'll be some shuffling uh, over the next few days. But uh, they can't, you know, with the game not till Saturday, they have they have some time to to kind of figure that out. Well, it does. It, it makes it interesting because Gagne, Holloway, and let's say Gleason. Uh, as a recall for to be the seventh defenseman, possibly coming into the lineup, and then you know the, the three people would have to to you know move out. So you've got Ernie uh, Lavoie, I guess, and then there will be a decision on the third guy. Is that is that fair? Is that what you kind of look at, or do you look at it a little differently? Well, Lavoie is already back in Bakersfield because he was a um, uh, an emergency recall for Vander Kane being out on Saturday, so he did he left. Uh, you know, he didn't come back with the team. Um, so that's one down. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't have the, you know, their cap page in front of me. My mind's going a little bit blank, but they're going to have to send a forward down. Uh, um, and I guess probably two. Now, Gagne was on the roster, so I guess it depends on how much uh, they want to accrue. They're, they'd have to take, um, you know, Gagne wasn't on IR. He was, a, he was a, basically an active player, even though he was injured. Um uh, when it comes to Holloway, they're going to have to take him off LTIR, which is good for them because they can start um, get back to accruing money uh, as they head toward the the trade deadline on March 8th. So that's a huge plus. Not not even um, mentioning the fact that that Dylan Holloway could be a real key piece for this team. You know, as a top nine forward, once he gets back up to speed, um, he was starting to play you know well at at the end. You know, he had a goal and I think it was in Seattle, and then he got hurt the next game. So. Uh, which was not lost first with the team. It seems like so much has happened since then. Uh, you kind of forget about him, but, um, you know, Holloway could be a really key uh, key piece for this team uh, in a top-nine role. Um, I, I, you know, again, I don't expect that to happen right away in terms of him being, you know, productive or whatnot. I mean, this is a guy with just a handful of goals uh, in his NHL career. He's up toward the 60-game mark over the, the last year and a bit. Um, but, you know, once, once uh, you know, he, he gets up to speed, um, you know, I think you're going to start seeing um, more from him, you know, the type of player that, that warranted that, you know, that, that first-round pick a few, you know, a few years back. Do you um, – got a couple of questions that have come in from listeners, and the first one is in regard to McLeod emerging on the dry side of the line and maybe a need for a third-line center. Do you, do you think the Oilers, because that, that line with Fogel and dry and McLeod is doing so well, do you think it might – have them maybe check down from the need for a, a two-way winger or a guy who can come in and play wing. Maybe they might be a little more aggressive on finding a center just because it does give you another center on the roster. And if McLeod does stay there or if Leon moves up, you've got more than enough to be able to cover. Yeah, this is my read on the situation. I, you know, I haven't <laughs> talked to anyone about this specifically, but I, I just can't see them going into the playoffs um, with, with Derek Ryan and, and James Hamlin as their, as their bottom two centers. Like I, you know, I asked uh, Chris Knobloch about that, about uh, about Ryan rather, who's you know predominantly 
other than the very beginning of his tenure as an oiler under Dave Tippett, has been a winger on this team and, and exclusively with Jay Woodcroft and, and obviously started that way um, with Chris Knobloch until, you know, the recent change with uh, McLeod going up to the wing. Um, I see him being a winger again at some point, Derek Ryan, and I see McLeod going back to center. I, you know, this, this line for as well as it's done is prop like, I, I can't see it being a long-term, you know, play here. Uh, I, there are a lot of holes on this this roster. Um, I think they, regardless, they need a center. And I think Ryan McLeod will, will be one of them, but I think they do need another center at the bottom of the roster. Uh, and, and I think they do need another forward in the top, we'll say conservatively top nine um, to give them some options because, you know, Connor Brown at some point should be a top six winger for this team. Uh, if he's not, I mean, you still have Warren Fogle, you still have Evander Kane who, you know, is in the, is in the, um, is on the third line right now. Um, they have options, and that's what's good about this team. I mean, Ryan Nugent Hopkins can play center, as, you, as we know, uh, predominantly been, been a winger uh, over the last little while. So they have options. I think they still need some help up front, and then we all know about you know, you know, the defense and goaltending. But I just don't see this vogel mcleod dry saddle line for as good as it's been uh, being a long-term solution. Rather, It, it could be a nice uh, you know, short-term fix, as it has been right now, and, and that's great. Uh, but they do need some more help at center. And I think Ryan McLeod at some point will, will be that guy um, with another uh, player that they need to acquire uh, down the stretch. Daniel Nugent Bowman, our guest from The Athletic on Sports 1440 in the Lowdown with Low Tide. This question has come in a couple of times uh, here today already, and it's for you because you're the first media member that I have talked to about <laughs> it. But I, uh, so you're, get ready. Um, okay. It's in regard to the, the questions and the answer and the relationship with the new coach, with the, with Coach Knobloch and maybe differences that, that would have uh, been with, with, uh, with Jay Woodcroft. And so just, you know, the, the, the questions seem to be a little more, a little wider and, and maybe um, the, the relationship is still yet to develop. Does that happen over time? Like, do you need a little one-on-one time to kind of, know the the nuance and how a, a, a an individual coach answers a question uh because i i always feel like the first say six months of a new coach is a lot of very formal questions and then it gets back to what i would consider to be normal which is you know quicker questions and questions that are either expected or at least you know kind of um obvious that can occur during say a post game yeah, I, I would say we're still getting to know this coach. Uh, I think fans are still getting to know this coach, and, and, and us as media members are too. I mean, he's only been on the job for six, seven weeks. Well, well seven weeks, I guess now, um, heading back to uh, November 12th, right? So uh, we're still kind of learning how he likes to operate, how he likes to answer his questions. Um, what I'm finding with Chris Knobloch is he tries to let you in as much as he can. Um, uh, you know, he'll offer things like, you know, I think I asked him about – I think it was me, you know, asking about, you know, a certain line. I don't even remember. This was several weeks ago, and it was the game where they moved for Warren Fogle to right wing, and he offered that, you know, they, they dug in on some video on, on Warren Fogle and um, just um, the fact that more of his scoring chances seem to come when he's a right winger as opposed to a left winger, and they really wanted to try him there. Um, and, and, you know, that might, I think it was me, and, and the question wasn't really about Warren Fogle, but it kind of spoke to what they were, were thinking, which which is good. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I I would say, you know, under Jay Woodcroft, who got a little bit shorter, a little bit testier at times, and especially this year, uh, it's understandable given the way the team was playing. Um, 
I think it really changed for Jay Woodcroft in terms of, the, of being forth, forthcoming um, during that first LA series. And he, he was open about it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, you know, when the series shifted to LA for games three and four, um, the Kings practice at a different you know place than the, like the Oilers practice at the main rink where the games are. And so we as media members couldn't get down um, to Kings practices. We couldn't report on, on things because they practice at the same time in a different location. Um, Kings as a team would not put their information, you know, on their Twitter, social media, et cetera. And uh, there aren't as many um, uh, independent media members there trying to report things. So he was kind of, he even said like, well, I'm not going to tell you guys things that the Kings aren't telling that people. So, and, and it seemed to kind of uh, devolve quite frankly from there where he wouldn't, tell you who was playing or who this was starting in net even on that night so uh <clears throat> certainly we haven't got to that point uh yet with chris Melblock. i hope we don't because um his um his ability and, and willingness to be forthright uh, a lot of the time has been very helpful and and i think for, even for fans allowed uh people to understand what what the thought process is and why they do certain things with the hockey club daniel people want to know <clears throat> you've seen, seen uh, holloway practice is he practicing on the wing or center, or does he have any defined practice role? Well, from today, I mean, you know, it's a pregame, um, like morning skate for a game. Um, so he wasn't taking line rushes. Uh, so he's kind of filling in um, the back half of, you know, certain drills and, and all that kind of thing. So I watched him a little bit, uh, but he wasn't really out of position. And I, I expect him to be playing the wing. Um, he hasn't played center to the best of my knowledge in the national hockey league at any point really so i can't see him being a, a, an option i really I, again I, if, if they're deciding like james hamlin's the fourth line center and if they're deciding at least he's right now obviously but if they're deciding to move Derek ryan up back to the wing I, I i would expect you know one of ryan nugent hopkins or ryan mcleod probably mcleod to go back to center um so i would expect all the way to play uh, where he's mostly played in the league, and that that being left wing. Do you, uh, Daniel, when you when you are watching this team and around this team, uh, do, do you get a sense that because I, I, you know, there's been quotes recently. I think Connor McDavid mentioned it that they felt that the 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 game was turning around just as the coaching change occurred. Uh, mm-hmm. Woodcroft seemed to be like a communicator. Is is the style, in your opinion, similar? with Knobloch or is he more of a instructor or, or more of a X's and O's guy? Yeah, I'm still uh, quite frankly, I'm still, you know, getting, I've had a couple of, you know, brief chats uh, with, um, with Chris Knobloch. I know him a little bit from the junior ranks. Uh, when I covered junior hockey at the time that he did, uh, I was mostly out West. Um, and when I came back to Ontario, uh, wasn't really covering the Ontario league that closely, but, but no, I know Chris, I've interviewed him a few times before. Um, before he went into the pro ranks, um, I, uh, you know, I can't say unequivocally, but I, I see some similarities there. Um, I know I think he kind of is like uh, Jay Woodcroft in the sense that he likes to respect players and their time, and, and doesn't kind of uh, overburden them with things like when he's communicating to them. If there's a point to be made. Um, there's a time and place for things, you know, things like that. Um, uh, what I see in, in Knobloch though, is somebody who is, he is not, there's no ego there. There's no one, uh, you know, he's not, um, somebody who thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And I also think that he has, you know, the, um, 
he's, he's comfortable uh, deferring to people. And, and I've, you know, when, whether it's um, Mark Stewart with the penalty kill, who just felt like uh, would be the best person to take on that role, or really kind of instilling and entrusting Paul Coffey with, uh, with the defense, uh, and obviously leaving Glenn Gulson to, to coach the power play, which is, has been, you know, with, with very few little uh, dips, been, been tremendous since Glenn Gulson took that over a few years ago. Um, he lets people do their jobs, and um, um, you know I, I think there's he's somebody who's very meticulous, like Jay was, or Jay Woodcroft. Um, but uh, there's some similarities there. But to give you a, a, a you know a better answer than that, I think it'll take just a little bit more time. Daniel, you and I talked earlier in the year about the the chaotic nature of this year. I think you compared it to your first year when Peter Shirelli was fired, <laughs> and you know, and I totally get that, and I think that 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 was a really good comparable. But they're, it's January 2nd, and if they win tonight, they would technically, based on, on point percentage, be in a playoff spot, passing Nashville barely uh, if they win tonight. Are you surprised at, at – I know you're not surprised because you saw it now, them be so poor, but are you surprised they've been able to reel in the bottom of the, like the, the playoff race this quickly in basically a month and a little bit? So this quickly, yeah, I mean, because basically, you know, they're – what thirteen and three in their last sixteen, if I have that right? Yeah. Um, I mean, no one really expects that as good as any team is in the NHL. I mean, that's that's tremendous, right? Losing three of of sixteen games. Um, but did I expect them to reel in the bottom of of the conference at some point relatively quickly? Yeah, yeah, I did because the bottom of this conference is, is pretty lousy. Yeah. Um, I'm higher on Arizona than than most people, and and the Coyotes have been you know, at or just below a playoff spot the whole year. And they're not a great, they're not a great team. And, and you look at the teams below uh, Arizona, I mean, Calgary's been a huge mess, um, you know, for as well as the Ducks started, um, you know, we've seen the Oilers blow them out twice and, and they're, they're clearly have some more time to, to do in their rebuild. You know, you just go down the, go down the list of teams, um, you know, at the bottom end of the conference, Chicago, San Jose, you know, the Oilers are better than a lot of these teams. I think the one team that, you know, the Oilers, I think they're still better than, but uh, there's a comp- comparable there uh, with the Wild. And, and again, the Oilers are better than the Wild, and they've shown it. Um, they, they're, they're better than Nashville. They're better than St. Louis, you know. There's uh, no reason. This, I think the top of, of the, their division with you know, Vancouver, uh, the Kings, and the, and the Golden Knights um, have probably separated themselves a little too much. But there's no reason the Oilers can't get a wild card. Like, let's, let's, be, um, let's be real here. Uh, again, I think it's happened quicker than I thought just because uh, winning 13 of 16 games is, is quite the feat. But, um, you know, I expected – you know, sometime probably by the All-Star break that they would be right there, and, and they've um, they've surpassed that uh, that expectation on my part. So um, a lot of good things happening with this team, and, and uh, the team that uh, that uh, despite the despite the chaotic uh, early part of the year and, and the, obviously the early season struggles uh, should be in a playoff spot by the, by the time uh, this season is over. How was Christmas and New Year's for the family? Not bad. Yeah, our our uh, our son turned one on Christmas Eve, so we had we had a birthday thrown in there too. We um, had <laughs> a little a uh, little bit of illness go through the house health house rather, excuse me. Uh, but we were but nothing major, and you know we got out for a for a family skate and and uh, you know saw some people you know in the last couple of days as everyone kind of got better and 
um, yeah, but as well as you can uh, you could possibly uh, be. So, um, how about you, Al? How oh, I can go for you guys. Very good. We had a great Christmas. I made turkey, and we all survived. That's the headline right there. <laughs> well, <laughs> hope it was good. Hopefully, better than just surviving. I mean. I hope it didn't look like the Griswolds turkey or anything like that. <laughs> no, a little bit, but I've, I don't okay. want to say too much because it's still under investigation. Thanks, man. Okay, good.